This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I'm going to continue. Last week, or two weeks ago actually, I was speaking on eternal security and, and the Lord had me zero in on a man who was, uh, a son was having sexual relations with his father's wife or his stepmom is what, what it would be. And Paul had to bring some adjustments, some correction to the situation, said there needs to be uh, some steps taken here because all you're doing, you're in pride, you're acting like there's no consequences for this action, that there's no consequences for sin, and you're ignoring it. And you're prideful, and you're arrogant, and you need to correct this. And you can get the, the message online from a couple weeks ago, because I'm not going into all of it. But uh, Paul was saying there's no godly sorrow over this. There's no repentance. And he finally, he said, look, this is the way I want you to treat this. I want you to back off from him. And actually... In verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 5, 5, it says, Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit would be saved on the day of the Lord Jesus. In other words, God wanted this man who was saved because his spirit belonged to him. He said, pull away that the enemy can have his way in his life that his spirit would be saved. In other words, he was in danger of turning on God and renouncing the Lord Jesus Christ and losing his salvation. And we covered uh, all this, but God in his mercy said, look, let, this, let his eyes be open. said, we don't want you even eating with him, sitting down to eat. And he said, I'm not talking about those of the world. I'm talking about the Christian who says he's walking with God, he's a believer, but he's blatantly walking in sin against God and acting like there's no problem. I'm not talking about the person walking through something, I'm talking about the one who is ignoring it. And he says to eat with those that are in sexual immorality of the world, but not with those in the church because they need a wake-up call. And see, we as the church kind of do the opposite. We go and get with that one that's having sexual relations outside of marriage in the church, and we avoid those in the world. That's not what the Bible says. It actually says the opposite. Now, the good news is that this worked. This treatment worked, and he did come to a place of repentance. But one of the questions I had was a good question what if this one who's being sexually, sexually immoral is a part of my family or is my child? What do I do? Do I not eat with them again? No. And my answer is, for this reason, that's your child. But every time that you're with them, you're treating them or your motive inside your heart as if they're an unbeliever. 
When you sit down, you fellowship with an unbeliever, the motive of your heart should be to win them and guide them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that should be, they should know where you stand, they should know your heart, you love them, but you keep your standard, you keep your stand. Don't you run away and say, I have nothing to do with you. Pastor Bob said, I'm not to even eat with you. No, no. That's your, that's your child. And you, you need to be there. And you can put hands on them. You can be praying for them. You'll speak when the Lord prompts you to speak. A lot of times he'll put duct tape over you and say, just get in your prayer closet. But it keeps you that connection to reach them and, and be there when they're crying out. You're there. And you can lay hands. You know, it says the believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Have you ever noticed it didn't say pray there? I've done it many a time. What am I doing? I'm patting them on the back, but I'm releasing God's presence on them. And I'm going, get them, God, get them. Sick them, Lord. And it works. It works. I've had people, I've just tapped. I do it all the time at work. I tap them. I'm releasing the Holy Spirit into them. Tap them. And I turn and look back. And they're looking at me. I left something with them. <laughs> okay. This doesn't make sense to you, this. But you can reach and, and pray. You can, you can make a difference. Hallelujah. Hope that answered your question. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, I, I want to just look. This is what happened. I'm not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it's time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome with discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. So he had had godly sorrow. He's repented. And now you got to open up your arms and welcome him back in the fellowship. Go out to eat. You're doing things once again together. A lot of this will kind of happen automatically just because they won't be comfortable around you. You ever had that? They're not comfortable around you. Uh, we had um, a person who was involved in a uh, sexual immoral uh, relationship and he called me up and he said, I don't feel comfortable at church anymore. Everyone is looking at me and everyone is talking about me. I said, what are you talking about? And then he spilled the beans. I said, nobody knew. I mean, no, if you're a believer, church is not the most comfortable place for you if you're living in sin. Hello? And then there's been times where you had to speak to someone, speak to them in as much love as you can, and then they say, thank you so much for caring and everything. And then you don't get a call. You just find out they're somewhere else. Moving on. 
91% of sexual affairs, relations, and TVs and movies are between people who are not married. There's such a message out there. It's, it's everywhere. And we have to be wise and not let it come into the church or into your life. God is not uh, a prude. He in, invented sex, but he doesn't want it to be destructive. He wants to bless you. He knows how much it hurts. But you look at these movies and these things that we're paying to see adultery. And I, I like movies, but I mean, it's, it's, it's there. You're paying your money, and you're watching something that's against what God says. And they make it look so beautiful, so wonderful. You know, the music's playing. You know, I've, I've kissed... Ellen passionately, and, and I'm listening for the music, and I need to go put some on. I mean, it's, it's just not in that. <laughs> no. But our children need to be taught, and in their schools, and these things, it's just prevalent, and it's just accepted as the normal thing. We live in a time when nothing is wrong, nothing is sin. Well, God understands if I go out and get drunk. Or God understands if I just sleep around or shack up. It's just okay with God. It's not okay. And He warns us over and over because He loves us. There's consequences. It brings death. It hurts you. It will bring pain and heartache and death. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, and anger, rage, malice, slander, Filthy language from your lips. It's very disappointed when I heard um, a ball player who, who says he's a Christian, but he was called on tape. His language was so filthy. And kids look up to him and he calls himself a Christian. But he didn't sound like no Christian. says, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. He's talking to believers here, and he's saying, look, things have changed. This is the way it used to be. Now get rid of these things. You want the blessed life? Get rid of these things. Put them to death. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit to help us because we can't do it in our own strength. So I have some just little pointers down here that help us with this. And I've got take a stand beforehand. Take a stand beforehand. 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 1. It says, In the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army they destroyed the Amorites and besieged Rabbi, uh, but David remained in Jerusalem. So here's David 
and he's really being irresponsible. We heard some messages about being responsible. David, he's a king, and he's in the wrong place because he's being irresponsible. He should be out there with his men, out there engaged in war, out there where the battle is. But he's not even fighting. He's just at home. And you know the story, what happens to him. He finds himself outside looking off, and there is a beautiful lady taking a bath. And what he should have done then is turn around and went straight inside. But he didn't. There's no record of it. If he did, he, he went in and got binoculars because this guy went head over heels. And the next thing you know, he's calling for Bathsheba. And she comes to the king. And the rest of the story, there was... Uh, a baby that she's pregnant. But before that, he decides, well, she gets pregnant, and he decides, I'm going to get the husband here. He's out at war. I'm going to get him in where he can take responsibility here. I'm going to get him to lie with his wife, and this thing's going to all blow away. Oh, wonderful. What a plan. So he brings him in. And he honors him, asks how it's going on the front lines and the troops and all this stuff, and says, look, go home. Go to your wife. But he, Uriah being the honorable man, didn't go home. He slept on the, on the doorstep. <laughs> he slept outside. And the king was surprised, said, why didn't you go home? Why didn't you go to your wife? He said, how can I? Be dishonorable to the men that I walk with who are fighting a fight for our freedom, who are fighting for us. How can I do it? He was honorable. So David has to come up with another plan. He said, put him at the front lines and everyone back off. I want him dead. So sexual immorality led to lies and deception and murder. It even goes beyond that when you study David's life. It actually changed his life because his children and the things he dealt with. See, David, he, he lost the voice of God. There's something about sexual immorality, becoming one with that person, uh, this, this type of sin does something to your brain, to your mind, and you actually tune out the voice of God. And you don't hear right. The Bible says that when we lie with another, when we have sex with another person, we become one with them. You're joined to them. And all of a sudden, where there was obvious when you could see weakness or character weaknesses or, or blind spots, you can't see them anymore. Why you've been joined to them and you're walking around blind. And you can be confused and messed up. Because you've tuned out the voice of God. Because you've chosen the wrong path. You're on the wrong track. It cost him. In Proverbs 6 verse 32. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He does so. He who does so destroys his own soul. 
Another place says you're playing with fire. It shatters life, destroys trust. It's degrading. It's it steals, kills, and destroys. Adultery is about taking. Marriage is about giving. God is pro-sex inside of marriage. God is anti-sex outside of marriage. Sex is the icing on the cake in marriage. Some people just feed on the icing and they wonder why they're sick. Y'all can smile. It's okay. Next point, run from sexual sin. That's what the Bible teaches us. Run from it. One time a man wrote to Dear Abby and said, I'm having an affair with two different women, and I can't marry them. Please tell me what to do, but don't give me any of that morality stuff. Abby wrote back and said, Dear Sir, the only difference in humans and animals is morality. Please write to your veterinarian. We are the only species that we have sexual relations face to face. I tell you, when a, a farmer and uh, he has his his cattle out there, he didn't come in and tell his wife, uh, "Hey, hey, Martha, you know those two two sheep out there we named <laughs> Bill and Susan? Well, they're making love. No." You know, they're mating. <laughs> it's not, it's a whole different ball game. Because God made us uniquely special. And this is something that he said in marriage. First Corinthians chapter 6 or 15. 18. Pray about running from sexual sin. Does it say that? It says run from sexual sins. Don't pray about it. Don't get 15 different opinions. Don't ask everyone around you, what should I do? It says run. Why? Because you're, you're headed for disaster. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so dear, clearly affects the body as this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. You must honor God with your body. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to Him. Your body belongs to Him. Your spirit belongs to Him. Your soul belongs to Him. God doesn't want us crossing that line sexually because He knows the pain that causes. God wants us to have purity. He wants us to live above what the world says. If you're single... You need to take a stand beforehand. You need to make a decision before you get in the back seat. 
in the back seat speaking in tongues. Forget it. You need to not get in the back seat. You need to make a plan beforehand. Say, I'm going to do what God says. And you start, you, you date, you go to a public place. Very few people are tempted to have sex in a restaurant. If you are, don't go to the restaurant. And come and get some prayer at the end of service. Go in the group. Whatever, that's what he said, whatever you have to do, guard yourself. Run, flee from sexual sin. It can be expensive. It can cost you. Set the standards before you start dating. Don't wait. Set them now. Give your parents. Set some standards. Standards. Don't trust your hormones. We trust you, but not your hormones. Well, if we love each other, Pastor, and getting married anyway, what difference does a piece of paper make? A piece of paper, paper, a, a marriage certificate, license makes no difference at all. What makes a difference is the blessing of Almighty God on your life. That's what makes a difference. Well, if you really love me, if you really love me, we'll do this. You'll let me do it. That's not love, that's lust. Love will wait. Say, love will wait. I don't know. Well, God is love. And He said, love said, to wait till you're married. So it's not love to have premarital sex. That act is lust. Well, Pastor, are you saying that we had premarital sex, but we wound up getting married and we loved each other? I'm not saying you didn't love each other. I'm saying the act, that sexual act, was lust. Because lust is sin, and sin is is not of love, but of selfishness. Well, Pastor, we did get married. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad. Do me a favor. Go before God and repent before Him for it. Because those that have premarital sex, the stats tell us, that there's a 33% greater chance when you get married you're getting divorced. Because there's something about the adrenaline rush of sneaking around that you will look for later on. And it's a lie from the enemy. So you break that thing. And you ask forgiveness. 
because it will affect. Next, guard your heart. Matthew 5, 27. Have you ever heard that was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery? But I say to you that whosoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Cast it from you, for it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Every person has to deal with these verses. Every man has to deal with those verses. I always heard say it's the second look where you get in trouble. Not necessarily true, because that first look, if it's a 15-minute look, there's problems. But you have to train yourself. You have to, to, to work at it. Because men especially are, are attracted by, by sight. And you have to work at this thing. It's just like the, um, the woman... Uh, there was a couple that were shopping, and a, a beautiful woman walked by and was figure and everything, and there's the guy. He's locked in, watching her all the way down the way. Woman, the wife didn't even lift up her head. Said, well, I want to know if it was worth it for the trouble that you're in now. <laughs> These things you can overcome with the help of the Spirit of God. And, there, and you need men, you need accountability around you, people to help. We have men's group, women's group. You need to be a part of. It's a strength and there's help in it. Man, I'm always amazed when I read this verse, you know, it's like, is God in the self-mutilation? <laughs> you know, pluck your eye out. See how serious he is about this? Because the enemy will have an open door, foothold in your life to do wreck havoc in your life. He said, pluck it out. Then he says, if your hand is the problem, cut it off. Now, how many know you got to have some help from the Spirit of God to pluck out an eye, cut the arm off? That's how difficult, that's how tough this thing could be. That's how serious he is about this because he wants you blessed. He wants you to have the best. He wants you to be able to watch a movie, uh, a, a romance movie, and say, I got better than that because me and my wife are serving the living God. As for me and my house, we'll serve God. And things are always better when you serve Him. Pluck it out. The problem's in the heart. Stop looking at things. Pluck it out of your life. That computer, whatever it is, your, your child, move it into the family room. Get protection on whatever you have to do or pull the plug. Cut off the hand that holds the TV remote. <laughs> what are you handling that you shouldn't be handling? Cut it out of your life. Stop it. He wants you to get to the root of sin. And we need God's grace to do this. See, the enemy creeps into our life and he's sly and he comes in and he, he brings 
his little lies, his deception, and the next thing you know, our eye has been focused on the wrong thing. Our hand has been applied to the wrong thing. We got to teach our children, our grandchildren. We got to teach the truth. Let them know that the world is wrong. The culture's wrong. What God says is right. He's never been wrong. God's never had a wrong answer. He's always. His name is truth. <laughs> he is the way. He is life. If you want the best, or if you want heartache, you can choose that way. You can be miserable. You can be a Christian and be defeated, be miserable in this life, or you can choose this way. You might get mocked at some. You, you might have some persecution. People might think that you're weird. But I think they're weird. Hide the word in your hearts. The next one. Mom and dad set the standards. Parenting isn't easy. You ever had somebody come up and talk to you and say, well, if that was my child, I'd do this. Then you find out they don't even have kids. Oh, don't even talk to them. You don't even know. It's not easy. And there's sometimes you, you, you say no, and you might be up at night praying. Because everyone wants their child to have the, the best. But you set some standards, and you're not called to be their best friend at times. If there's not some times that your child is upset at you some, or disagreeing with you, you're probably not being a good parent, or you have a one in a million child. <laughs> Doesn't matter what the neighbors are doing. Pastor, you're just old-fashioned. No, it works. It works. The Bible works. It's the truth. Parents, if you don't set some standards, the world will. The neighbor will. The friends will. Facebook will. TV will. Movies will. Music will. Somebody else will set the standard. Because everybody has a standard. And it will be set in your life. And we need parents to rise up and say, look, you're not going out with that person. Why? Why? I don't know. I just don't feel right about them. It's enough. You're not going out with her. You're not going out with him. You're not going to that party. I understand there's a lot of drinking going on there. Well, what's wrong with drink? We don't drink. And you have your personal standards. I mean, I, I'm sure they're they're good people, but you're not going. I'm always reminded, I, I've, I've shared it many times, but I just, anytime ministering along these lines, I think about him, a, a, a friend that I worked with who, whose son was going to spring break. A good boy, a good, good son. And the dad, he, he told me, he said, I don't feel right about him going. Just something doesn't feel right about this. But his son kept on and kept on and kept on and finally said there's some friends that the dad knew they were going and he said, go ahead. 
And he went. And then I saw on the news his son had gotten drunk, had fallen off a, a, I don't know how many stories it was, was outside on the balcony standing on the rail. Had done a dive off, hit his head, dead and gone. Sometimes you just go for your gut. I don't care if you're upset. You can be mad. Someday you'll be glad. But you can be mad right now. Because I have to answer to God. And the pain and the self-condemnation and the hurt that he went through it's hard to handle. You have to fight for your family. You have to take a stand. Psalms 119 verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, the Bible will protect your, your family. Fight for your family, your marriage, your children. God's will in your children's life. Pray, intercede, fight for them. Don't try and be their best friend. And you should be friends with your kids. I'm not saying that. But you need to hold up the standard of righteousness. You need to hold up what the Lord has said. I tell you one of the best ways you're fighting for your families right now, being in church. Every time that you're in church, you're fighting, taking a stand for your family, for your marriage, for your kids, for yourself. You're fighting. You're taking a stand. And we've forgotten that. Attendance is way down in America in churches. We've forgotten that, how important it is not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Having your child at, at children's ministry, at youth me meetings. I'm telling you, I'll, I'll let you know if you're committed or not. If your child asks you if we're going to church or not, you're not there. You're not committed. That was a question we never heard in our house. We're going. Rain, shine, hail, storm, whatever, we're going. And it took us a while sometimes because there was a mess out there, but we're heading to church. Why? Because it makes a difference in your life when you hear about life. Well, my child doesn't want to come to youth. Well, since when are you letting the child control? The most important thing in their life. This is more important than the movie. This is more important than the ball game. This is their life. This is life or death. What gets in them now will be in them later. Don't mess around. Don't play around. You don't give them a choice about going to school. You don't give them a choice about using deodorant, I don't hope. 
I, you don't give them a choice about brushing their teeth. This is more important than bad breath. This is more important than stinking B.O. This is the most important thing that there is. Doing God's will. I want my kids to supersede what I've done. I want my kids to go beyond. I want to pass on the baton and see them run the race of joy and fulfill everything God has for them. Don't back up. Stop letting the kids run the home. You're the adult. Don't give them a choice on everything. Or tell them, what's your choice? And you don't like the choice? I don't like your choice. Kids aren't going to like this message. (laughs) Mom and Dad, can't this guy come over? No. No. Well, you don't know them. That's right. (laughs) Can I go spend the night with such a... No. Why? I don't know them. If you want to invite them over for an interview, you want to invite them over? We can have some snacks and stuff. We'll assess the situation. You're the adult. <laughs> when I got saved I, very early, I heard a message from a guy. He said he'd been married 20-something years and never had an argument or disagreement with his wife. I couldn't relate to him. (laughs) What was inside me was fake, fake, fake. I told Ellen, I said, you know what? That is someone that totally dominates his wife. Has to be. Can't understand that. I said, look, if something's on your mind, I want you to say it. I don't want to guess I want you to say it. That's why she is anyway. And she go, okay. It's ridiculous. But anyway, there's challenging times in marriage and stress, but we have to pray. We have to fight for our marriages. I see a couple act like it's heaven on earth all the time. You seen those couples? It's not true. It's not true. There's times of challenge. There's times of stress. There's times of disagreement. There's times of working through things. And some married folks need to say amen. Amen. You will disagree. You'll get on each other's nerves at times. The enemy will say you're better off by yourself. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. You got to set some standards in your marriage. We're not going to talk about divorce. We're not going to ever bring that up. It's not an option. We will pray. We decided we're going to walk hand in hand even when we don't see eye to eye. We'll walk hand in hand until we also see eye to eye. 
In the meantime, we're going to work through this thing. We'll talk through it. We'll pray through it, communicate through it. We're going through it because we're committed to working it out. That's what marriage is about. And husbands, never criticize your wife's judgment. Remember, she chose you to marry. One that works great for me. I don't know what I was thinking. And usually that's true. <laughs> Be more interested in fixing the problem instead of fixing the blame. Be committed to working it out. And I'm going to close with this. Story really blessed me. A president of a university, he was thriving. He, he, had just, he was 60 years old, and he really was hitting the stride in, in this area, uh, being the president's university. Uh, all his dreams were coming to pass. Everything was just really clicking. And his, his wife got Alzheimer's and just it went down quickly and just did not really know him. And just all these things were going on, and he said, I'm going to resign. He turned in his resignation letter, and the board can't believe this. said, why are you doing this? And, you know, don't do this. You've got everything at your fingertips. Things are really cooking and going great. Besides that, she doesn't even know who you are. And his answer, he says, but I know who she is. I know who she is. And I made a commitment for Almighty God till death do us part. He said, I'm out of here. That's commitment. And that's what God's called us to. Let's bow our heads. If today you never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity right now every head bowed, no one looking around, you say, I need Jesus today. Or I need to get my relationship right. I want you to lift up your hand, lift up high and say, that's me. And we're going to pray. Yes. Anyone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray this together. Say, dear God, thank you for loving me and saving me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'll live for you. I'm 100% in serving you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 662- 890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.